This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. We're the founders of Brightly.eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small. And our team of experts show you how to live and shop responsibly by sharing world-changing lifestyle ideas, products, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the planet-friendly goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And to help spread the word about the podcast, tap on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. This episode is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. Laura, you've probably heard me talk all the time about my love for Sheets and Giggles. I've been sleeping on their new sustainable eucalyptus sheets for the past eight months straight. I recommend them a thousand percent. Every week I wash them and put them back on the bed right away. They're my go-to sheets. All of my other sheets, even the ethical ones, are taking a long break. After hearing you rave about them for so long, Lisa, I finally got a chance to try their new eucalyptus comforter. So I'm a weirdo. I really like having a comforter on my bed all the time, even when we have the heat blasting. I haven't woken up once hot while I was using this one from Sheets and Giggles. It's a great ethical and sustainable alternative to the down comforter we used to use that's now sitting on our guest bed. Another thing I love about Sheets and Giggles is that they don't use plastic packaging and the materials don't use pesticides, so they're kind to our animal and insect friends. They also plant a tree for each sheet set that is sold, and they are passionate about giving back. They give 10% off to customers who donate their old sheets to homeless shelters, and they have donated over $40,000 to Colorado COVID relief. Good Together listeners get 15% off by using the code BRIGHTLYECO at SheetsGiggles.com. If you can believe it, the fall and winter seasons are upon us, and Thanksgiving is just around the corner. While holiday traditions are important to treasure and to share with others as best you can, especially this year, I will say, as a conscious consumer, it can be difficult to wrap your head around the waste that our favorite holidays can generate. Nobody wants to be a Debbie Downer when it comes to holiday cheer, but the good news is, with a little bit of curiosity and planning, you too can have a successful and sustainable Thanksgiving. In this episode, Lisa and I share tips from our own lives, plus others sourced from the hundreds of pointers that our Brightly community has compiled at brightly.eco holiday tips. We chat about how to cut down on wasted food, ways to source ethical ingredients, our favorite eco-friendly recipes, and more. Let's get into it. Hey, Lisa, how's it going? Good. Uh, I'm ready for fall, all things fall. We are recording this episode right before Halloween. And as you know, I think like Halloween, if I'm 
correct is kind of the first step into the holiday season, right? Absolutely. And Thanksgiving is just around the corner. And, you know, similar to the way we talk about Black Friday being a big time for conscious consumerism and Christmas, Hanukkah, etc. Thanksgiving, I think is left out of the conversation a lot of times, but it's another big way to have a positive impact with what you purchase, right? Like, what do we think about when we think about Thanksgiving? We think about like food. excess <laughs> food, exactly. waste. Yeah. And don't we think about like, I think about frantically running to the grocery store and having to spend a ton of money mm-hmm. for random items that I usually don't eat during the year and then they're wasted because no one eats it all like exactly. what the heck <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think for me definitely like excess right we always like you we have these associations when like I don't know grandfather like opening his pants under after Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner you know what I mean? yeah it's my, all of my uh, everybody loves Raymond um, references are coming in full force in this episode <laughs> but that's kind of association of Thanksgiving that uh, we all have and um uh, we thought it would be really kind of important to talk about Thanksgiving and unfortunately the associated waste that comes with this holiday, right? There's obviously a lot of good and important things about Thanksgiving, celebrating community, coming together around the table, uh, you know, remembering our traditions and, you know, this history of this country. But yeah, we're going to talk about uh, kind of the problems, right? The problems that um, comes with Thanksgiving and the way we uh, currently celebrate Thanksgiving in America. But also, of course, we will always leave you with actionable tips on how, you know, what you can do to celebrate Thanksgiving more eco-friendly. Yeah, we want this to be like all of our conversations, informative, but ultimately positive. Like we, we're going to talk about the problems. We're going to talk about why they exist and sort of what's going on behind the scenes. And then we're going to talk about, you know, how we can make a difference as conscious consumers, because like, let's, let's be real. Like Thanksgiving is a really great time with your family. And we right now during COVID are all faced with, in addition to the regular Thanksgiving uh, potential problems, we'll talk about it in a second. We're also faced with like an ethical dilemma about how we are going to be celebrating Thanksgiving this year. Um, And if you're listening to this in uh, 2021 (laughs) and just going back, I hope that we have solved all of that in the, in the future. Right now, a lot of us are having these questions. um, Like, do we all freeze outside when we have our our dinners? So that's something, I mean, we're not going to talk much about that now, but in general, there's a lot to consider. So let's get into it from like a positive and like curious perspective, right? So Lisa, I know you are super passionate about reducing waste. So can you tell the audience and our listeners a little bit more about like what's going on with Thanksgiving waste? Yeah, of course. And yeah, exactly. With me, when I think about food, and I think actually this started with our episode on conscious eating with Sophie Egan back in uh, spring. Yeah. I realized that one of the main causes, uh, uh, my causes in a good way, things that I truly believe in is food waste and like reducing food waste, right? Yes. And, you know, buying, but at the same time, buying high quality and local food. That's kind of the main thing. The rest, if it's like food is Package in plastic, it's less important. It's still important for me, but the, you know, again, there's all these values that um, are rated, uh, ranked in importance for all of us. Yeah. So for me, food waste is just at the top. And again, 
I think it started becoming such a priority for me because of the research we've done uh, for that previous episode. But let's talk about Thanksgiving specifically. Yeah. So in the US, as you know, if you listen to our previous episodes, 40% of food goes to waste. 40%. It's all in general, right? In general, yeah. exactly. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's, Americans throw out 25% more than regular, more trash than the rest of the year, just trash in general. Wow. Um, yeah, and again, we've talked about it in the holiday episodes last year. Uh, you can l- listen back to it. But and unfortunately, the holiday season is really, really wasteful. So in terms of Thanksgiving, of course, the main kind of star of the night is Turkey, right? About 200 million pounds, the numbers are crazy to me, will be thrown away at Thanksgiving just in one year. That's crazy. insane. That, I mean, like, yeah. that's a lot. Exactly. More than 150 million pounds of potatoes, green beans, and other vegetable sides will never get eaten. Bread baskets will be filled with an estimated 14 million pounds of dinner rolls that will simply be dumped after the meal. Isn't crazy? Yeah, that's crazy. And I think for me, what stands out in these statistics is, you know, in general, we should be thinking about how to create less waste. And when we think about Thanksgiving meals, there's such a temptation to have like, just, I don't know, we've all been to Thanksgivings where there's like 20 sides. I mean, exactly. and it's, it becomes like a celebration from that perspective. So if you want to have a lot of sides, please go for it, but then be ready to eat those leftovers. Exactly. <laughs> like plan ahead, you know, be creative about what you're going to do with those, those leftovers. Make sure you send, let's, Let's assume that you're going to have um, a, a gathering with other people just because we'll just we'll keep going from that perspective. But whether you're by yourself or you're with other people, make sure that everyone gets sent home with those leftovers with like a plan on how to reheat them. Like, wouldn't that be cool if you yeah. went to someone's house and they gave you like, okay, Lisa, you're going to get the leftover green bean casserole. And look, I found a recipe for yeah. what to do with leftover green bean casserole. Like, that would be amazing. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's actually, it's just a a fun kind of community events and fun activity for all of you. And of course, it's especially important this year, right? One of our scouts, actually, Sarah Steiger, she was one of our scouts of the week. If you guys are not familiar with scouts yet, go to brightly.eco slash scouts. You can uh, essentially become a member of our community uh, and our scout ambassador. So they are, this week, They uh, we are filling up a super fun holiday tips, eco-friendly tips database. Again, we'll link to all of that uh, in the episode show notes no worries it's brighter that eco slash holiday dash tips if you can remember that but anyways one of her tips is basically like this year a lot of people aren't having large thanksgiving celebrations so if it's like even when me with me and my husband or you or your husband you know it's usually just two of us i know yeah. plus your dogs but <laughs> you know we just we always have to like if we're buying like a piece of lamb or I don't know, frozen fish, I right away have to cut it down in portions that we actually will be able to uh, eat right away. Because otherwise you're unfreezing this big chunk of food. And if it's just two of you, you're just not going to eat it. And um, some food, of course, you can preserve for a few days or reuse and reheat. Others, not so much. So especially important to think about it this year for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And there's creative ways that you can save this stuff for later. So for instance, um, I, so I love being cognizant of the stuff in my fridge and like creating recipes on the fly. Like I'm yeah. a little bit more like I kind of fly by the seat of my pants there, but like I get a little bit of a thrill there because I'm like, 
using up what's in the fridge yep. and like we mm-hmm. always like high five when we've done it in our house. We, I don't know. I think it's fun. I'm a nerd that way. But I noticed that um, the, the other day I was looking through my fridge and I saw that we had a lot of ingredients for like almost like a pasta bake lasagna type meal. And so as I started to make it, I realized, wait a second, I literally have so much food here. And like, if we make this whole thing, we are going to be eating off of it for like (laughs) multiple days and we're going to be sick of it, even though it's really tasty. So what I actually did was I, before I cooked it, I divided it into two and then I froze half of it before I even cooked it. So it's like literally like, I made two meals in one and I was just, I couldn't, I'm not, I haven't done that too much. So hopefully this is like an interesting tip. Like, do you do that, Lisa? I've not, I've never really done it. Yeah, no, I've done it, but not as much. I remember when, again, when we were doing episode with Sophie on conscious eating, remember, I think one of the main kind of food waste reduction tips she had is like, freezer is your friend. And That's I think right. I started just back then I started thinking about it. So I started freezing, um, for example, uh, pesto. Mm-hmm. I love making fresh pesto, but again, again, I'm not, we're not going to be eating like for three days straight uh, pesto pasta, despite again how delicious it is. So I throw, I freeze like half of it or most of it, and then I refreeze it really quickly, and it's really great. Um, I actually picked up a tip from our community. Uh, I haven't used it. Well, I have done half of it. So uh, a lot of folks recommend, you know, cutting off the stems of like broccoli and stuff because usually you don't eat them but you actually can freeze them and then um put them in the broth and it, it's very mm. flavorful so I, I have done the freezing part haven't done the broth uh yet but in general i think we're definitely under using our freezers and it's something area of research for me um and a lot of times i hesitate i'm like oh no i'm gonna eat it i'm gonna eat it tomorrow next day and then it just goes to waste so like if you have hesitation you don't have kind of a meal in mind in the immediate two days coming up just go ahead and freeze something i i, I would i think as, as far as i understand like my research on food waste freezing stuff like prevents a lot of food loss food waste absolutely so in addition to uh you know making sure you eat your leftovers don't forget you can like reuse those leftovers creatively so like i talked about like if you've got a protein um then you can use that protein in other ways um oftentimes if my family makes salmon we'll grill it We'll have most of it, um, you know, maybe half of it just fresh right then. And then the next day we like to do um, sort of a Alfredo, like healthy Alfredo pasta uh, with Greek yogurt. And it's really tasty. And then we'll, I'll flake the salmon and put it in there. So it's like salmon is in that meal, but mm-hmm. it's, it's just kind of adding on. So when you have, um, you know, these, these leftovers, see if you can reuse them in creative ways. So, so that's one, that's another tip we have with food waste. Um, and again, you know, we keep giving shout outs. We did a whole episode on this previously, so make sure you go listen to that, but, um, make sure you're planning ahead too. Like, let's talk about that. So when you have a Thanksgiving meal, whether you are hosting or you are attending, please, please RSVP and then go, we've talked about this before, but just like, don't ghost. Do not. I mean, doing that at a holiday is like a whole mother level of ghosting. So like, please don't yeah. do that and preserve your. <laughs> Especially for Thanksgiving. I think it's like the worst probably because, you know, people will overcook, you yes. know, but if you don't show up, that's going to be a whole more food waste happening. 
Exactly. So there's different calculators you can look at online to like help Ooh, guesstimate, that. you know, how much you're going to need to buy. You can also take a look at recipes and see, you know, how much, um, sorry, how many servings that they, you know, they have. So you can, you can do it that way. And you know what? Like another secret is if you're looking at a recipe that you like and it looks really big, you can always half the recipe, right? Like, especially yep. if it's not baking. Baking is a little bit harder. I, I'm not a huge baker, but the times that I've tried to make any kind of changes to baking recipes, I feel like mm. that doesn't go that well. So maybe not baking, but everything else you can always have it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, we have done something I, I've th- uh, shared it with you, Laura, like I have kind of started meal planning a little bit. One of kind of, again, we've always talked about it and I know we're kind of jumping around different tips today, but, um, we're all trying to eat less meat here at Brightly, right? Yeah. Uh, we have done meatless challenge with our scouts. We have an amazing recipe database that all scouts and our ambassador community members can access with literally, I think, what, more than 200 meatless recipes kind of like vetted and approved by our scouts, which is awesome. And I started to actually kind of spend a bit more time and like every about every Sunday, like I do it by hand, like in a handwritten notebook, start writing out the meals and like with the goal of like minimizing my meat, con- red, especially red meat consumption, to like one to two. Uh, of course, I some most of the time I fail to meet those goals, but. Um, by me planning stuff ahead and here today, this dinner will be vegetarian. You know, this will be seafood. Um, and of course, buying the products that I will be using, it does help me much. Like it, it's really helpful for me in terms of like reducing my meat consumption. Otherwise, you know, if I don't plan, like and do don't research re- recipes ahead of time, I'll just end up eating more red meat than I have to. Exactly. Cause a lot of times it's easier. And let's mm-hmm. think of, um, you know, meal planning and lists and all that stuff, let's think of them less as chores and more as ways that you can be, you know, having a positive impact on the world and make, like, give yourself that high five, give yourself that gold star. Like you, there's so many downstream impacts of you doing meal planning. I think that's just absolutely fabulous. So I think we pretty much covered the waste thing. I mean, be mindful you know, make sure that you've got a list before you go to the grocery store. Don't load everything up with, you know, don't load your cart up with what you don't need. Plan ahead. Eat your leftovers. I think I think we're pretty good there, right? Yeah, I think so. And yeah, sorry, I kind of went straight into the meatless discussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm glad that you did because that's a good segue into the next topic, which is the Thanksgiving turkey. And I yep. think, you know, just like Christmas has the tree, Thanksgiving has the turkey. Yep. And It can be really difficult if you don't eat meat um, to kind of go to a Thanksgiving gathering because there's going to be a turkey there. So like that's you got to kind of have to turn with that. But also like, you know, turkeys and and everything, you know, they they do have environmental impacts. So for instance, a 16 pound turkey has a carbon footprint of 34 roughly pounds of CO2 which is equal to the carbon footprint of the sides that you love at Thanksgiving, like gravy, cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, biscuits, pies. If you kind of rolled up the environmental impact of those sides and you compare them to a turkey, they're, they're equal. So that to me is kind of mind blowing because, you know, those sides, there's a lot of them and they come from all sorts of ingredients come from all over the place, but a turkey specifically you know, does have some pretty, you know, pretty negative environmental impacts if we think about it. Now, that being said, 
it does not mean you don't have to buy a turkey because most people do. Mm-hmm. So what are like different certifications and, um, you know, methods, like how can people buy a better turkey, Lisa? I'm, I'm curious about this. Yeah. As I think I mentioned kind of in the very beginning of the episodes, for me, buying locally is one and locally and like really focusing on high quality meats. It's just something I personally like to focus. Again, uh, you know, not everybody, first of all, not everybody has like a local butcher who sources this local amazing, yeah. super high. Not everybody has access to that and yeah. we should, not even access to whole food. So we always should be, like remember that everybody's reality is different. And second, of course, not everybody can afford it because, you know, we I, I love fresh meat. It's very important. I mean, it's great to have um, to be able to afford this really good, high, super high quality meat. But again, not everybody can afford that. Yep. Um, and for me, um, these are kind of like my main two ingredients uh, or like criteria for any real uh, meat that I buy, really. And I wanted to give a shout out. I think now is a good time. You probably have heard um, us talking on our social channels within our community. We have given shout out to ButcherBox before. Um, and the reason why we, you know, we thought it would be a great brand for us to partner and showcase is because another thing, another kind of very important criteria for me, it's organic, right? I think most of their meats are organic, if not all, but another super super important part for me they're humanely raised right one of the most especially like laura you our wild thing right (laughs) yeah Uh, for sure you know for people who care about animals obviously it is a kind of like moral dilemma like do you eat meat or not um i love animals but (laughs) we love meat you know what i mean and that i think that's that's okay so it's super super important like for me it's well first of all it's important for your diet right that that uh well i don't know i don't think turkey is grass right but like beef is grass fed right that you know how chickens are you know happy and you know they're not in cages they're not overfed and same goes for turkey so uh, that's kind of one of the main reasons like we decided to recommend butcher box both laura and i tried it the quality is really good and you actually um right now they have a special deal you get a free i think 10 to 14 pounds turkey for free for free uh if you try the uh, butcher box for for the first time as your first order so you can actually discover them at butcherbox.com uh slash brightly so check it out it's a good source and another important thing about them accessibility yeah, pretty affordable on the price side of things, right, Laura? This episode is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles, a company with a punny name but a seriously sustainable mission to make better bedding for everyone. We started partnering with Sheets and Giggles earlier this year, and the positive reviews from our community keep coming in. I've been on a hunt for sustainable bedding for a long time now until Brightly actually recommended Sheets and Giggles. I would highly recommend. The material is great. Uh, I personally tend to get hot at night and my boyfriend tends to get cold. So it definitely serves as a happy medium. Highly recommend. I also get hot at night and I found that after sleeping with Sheets and Giggles moisture wicking sheets over the past few months, I can't remember the last time I woke up overheated. I love my Sheets and Giggles sheets. They're my absolute favorite, not only because they're super duper soft, but they are sustainably and ethically made out of eucalyptus. 
Yep, I love that our scout Ashley called out how soft the sheets and giggle sheets are. Plus, the eucalyptus that is in their 400 thread count sheets is grown without insecticides or pesticides. They also just launched a bunch of new colors, and I can't choose between navy blue and red. Help me! Sheets and Giggles bedding is super lightweight and soft, and they really nail it on zero-waste packaging. We recommend Sheets and Giggles for the softest, most sustainable sleep out there. Good Together listeners get 15% off at checkout by using the code BRIGHTLYECO at SheetsGiggles.com. The Brightly community is full of conscious consumers who are always on the hunt for new brands and products that are planet positive. A lot of the moms, aunties, and godparents in our community have been asking us to review an eco-friendly kids' clothing option for their little ones. We're excited to recommend Mightly, a sustainable children's clothing brand. First off, they're fair trade certified, which means that the factory that produces their clothing must adhere to rigorous social and environmental standards to protect their health and safety of workers. And Mightly pays an additional fair trade premium that benefits the workers in the factory. Plus, Mightly really cares about the materials that go into the making of their signature kids' pajamas, pants, and more. They use organic, rain-fed cotton grown without chemical pesticides or GMOs. It actually requires 70% less water than typical cotton. Plus, they work with artists to create cute prints and graphics that are unique. Mightly send a few of their best-selling products to Laura and I's best friends who are moms, and they really love the intentional design behind every piece. Mightly has included pockets everywhere, name tags, and they even have little hooks on their hoodies to make putting everything away easier. That's awesome. <laughs> Good Together listeners and their little ones can get 15% off by using the code BRIGHTLY at mightly.com. That's M-I-G- H-T-L-Y dot com. Yeah, they definitely are. And in general, we like to give you options. So I think ButcherBox is a great option if you're looking into it. So please go check them out. Um, One thing I want to get into is you know, the the different certifications. So when you go to the grocery store and you look at the turkey section, if you're, if you're making that choice, there's a few different things. You kind of alluded to a few of them, Lisa. So local is a, is a, is a vector you can put on it. But when we think about like what is literally written on the package, there's organic. So organic, we've talked about many times, but if you're talking about organic turkeys, it means that this turkey has had to have a vegetarian non-GMO feed diet that is, you know, free of chemical herbicides and pesticides. And in this case, they do have to have access to the outdoors um, and they are not able to be treated with antibiotics. So usually from a price um, per pound um, perspective, it's usually about $2 more expensive than a non-organic turkey. And you can find these organic turkeys at places like Whole Foods. You can also usually find them um, at grocery stores. So there's that. The thing that I really think is interesting, though, is are these kind of new, I want to call them like cottage terms, because they're not mm-hmm. really necessarily, they're, they're not actual certifications, yep, exactly. but they're terms that people use. So they're, they're, there's a few of them. One is pasture raised. So this is very similar to what you were just talking about, Lisa, which yep. is free range. Yeah. Very similar. So it, this means that the turkey has had access to the outdoors and they're having a diet that's a bit more rich in grasses, berries, and insects. So we're talking about like the difference between a pasture and then a small sort of, I mean, 
the outdoors that other um, turkeys are potentially exposed to without saying pasture raised or the other two that I'll talk about in a second Mm -hmm. are kind of smaller than a pasture. So we're kind of looking at more real estate for the turkey to roam around. You know, um, I I think you've noticed that we did get some feedback on Instagram when people like there was another um, term that I've mentioned grass fed. I'm not sure if it relates to um, relates to turkeys necessarily. Right. Because they don't eat grass. But I'm not sure if like grass fed is definitely in terms of like the environmental impact. It's actually more environmentally intensive to. um, Right. But again, you have to kind of choose what's important for you, right? Grass-fed meat does taste better. It's more nutritious. It's healthier. It's better for you. It's more expensive too. It's, you know, better for obviously uh, the animal as well, but it's more environmentally intensive, right? Yes, with um, the, so, the greenhouse gases. Exactly, like exactly. Yeah. So everything is give and take. And yeah, it's hard to be perfect. Uh, it's hard to be perfect. And I think pasture raises probably also um, has, you know, a bit, a larger environmental impact if you, you know, kept the turkeys in cages. Exactly. I mean, and that's why this is complicated. And that's why we have these conversations. And, you know, the more space the turkey has and the more space that, you know, honestly, I mean, I hate to say this, but the better quality of the life that the bird has, the more expensive it is. And so, I mean, that's true. I mean, we, we could, we could uh, split hairs about that all we want, but the, the more we get into these certifications and sort of heirloom birds, which we'll talk about in a second, like those things are expensive AF. So, you know, if this is something that's important to you, then it's worth budgeting for it. Um, It's worth like making that decision before you go to the store, because I've oftentimes gone to the store and been like, I'm going to get the best thing ever. And then I Mm -hmm. see the price I freak (laughs) out and then maybe I'll go a step lower. So if it really matters to you, just budget for it. So the last two we'll talk about are like they're kind of the same thing, which is like an heirloom turkey, quote unquote, or an, a heritage one. And again, these are similar in the fact that these turkeys have more room to run around, but they're wild turkeys actually that were roaming around pre, pre-factory farming. And they, you know, they're going to have some more intense flavors because they were, you know, exposed to more things. So anyway, that's usually going above $10 a pound, which that's, I mean, that's super expensive when we think about it. So anyway, you know, we'll kind of wrap it up on the turkey itself. But <laughs> if you are going to buy a turkey, there's options, take a look. But what if you don't want to buy a turkey, Lisa? Like what then? What what should we do as conscious consumers if we decided, you know what, no meat for me, or I'm just not into turkeys this year because maybe I'm having a smaller gathering than I'm used to. Like, what, what's going on with that? Okay, let's start with my favorite um, TV show. <laughs> As I promised, there's going to be a lot of uh, mentions of Everybody Loves Raymond. And, uh, Which Laura, is you- hilarious because this is like the most old lady thing that Lisa I does. I love like, it. Person, I don't even watch it. But she loves it. So let's let her have it. <laughs> My husband got me into it and like I watched it almost as often as The Office. Not as much, but yeah, I just love it. I haven't watched it for a while, but like they have multiple Thanksgiving episodes throughout. So there my- you go. Yeah. So I, <laughs> now, I will it. say, I'll give you credit. I I think it is a very funny show. I've just never sat down and watched it. And I do really like Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is which is by, um, you know, it stars the man that was one of the, the core writers for Everybody Loves Raymond. So 
the humor is similar. So I got you. It, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Larry David is he? I don't think he was writer. I uh, know. I think you know. There's Ray Romano. Oh, it was Seinfeld. No, it was Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. Right. Seinfeld. Okay, there we go. Yeah, Fact no, it, me. yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay because I know like Larry David's like I actually cringe during Kirby Enthusiast. <laughs> but yeah, like everybody does Raymond. It's like old lady kind of show. Uh, which they're all kind of going together for me. Sorry, sorry, yeah, folks, no, okay. if you're fans. I probably just got a big eye roll from. You. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so one of the first Everybody Loves Raymond episodes about Thanksgiving, Deborah, the you know the daughter-in-law, she was wants to kind of start her own Thanksgiving tradition, a healthy one, and basically she's like, I can't compete with Marie's my mother-in-law's turkey, so I'm, I'm gonna make fish. And like Raymond goes, just like, what? How are you ever gonna win Thanksgiving by cooking? fish you know so there's a whole episode about that but you can cook fish absolutely right laura did you see absolutely. any like interesting recipes i mean salmon is very hearty uh what's it called tuna is basically like a piece of steak if you think about that especially if you marinate it differently yeah i mean if you want to like go for the showstopper which i feel like oftentimes is the reason why people uh cook turkey anyway yeah, like exactly. i remember one time i went to a thanksgiving and they decided not to do a big turkey so they just did turkey breast and it was still tasty but of course, the visual impact isn't there. So if you're really looking for something to like do, you know, have a really interesting visual impact, you could do a whole fish, right? And you could stuff it. Yeah, like exactly. we've all That's been to restaurants where we've yeah. seen that, right? It will look very impressive. I yeah, guarantee. it'll look super impressive. Like I've never made a whole fish. Like if I went to somebody's house and they had that, I'd be like, dang, that's pretty cool. Um, there's that. There's also, I tried to kind of rack my brain for like um, interesting impressive quote-unquote again this is me this is us just talking about quote-unquote impressive things if you want to do you do you whatever you want but lasagna I feel like oftentimes is a really big sort of showstopper meal that people will prepare because if you make it from scratch it can take all day right like making the sauce etc so you can do a lasagna and you can do a vegan lasagna you can do um, lasagna that is more veggie so you're using the dairy but you're not using uh, meat for the filling like there's some really interesting things that you can do um and I think the last thing I saw, which I thought was really interesting, was there was a recipe, it was on New York Times cooking, which unfortunately is behind a paywall. But I guarantee you, if you Google, it, it was called a savory pumpkin tart. And I actually wasn't even able to read it too much because of the paywall. But then I Googled it. <laughs> and there's a lot of different uh, you know, recipes for this. So like, think about like a savory pie, if you will, um, mm-hmm. that's filled with veggies, right? Why not? Yeah, uh, it's actually a great point that you're making. And also, um, again, our scouts this week have been filling out like their um, favorite holiday tips, uh, eco-friendly holiday tips. And actually, a lot of them are recipes. And of course, some of our scouts are vegan and vegetarian. So um, Sarah Williams, she said that I don't celebrate Thanksgiving, but I've been vegetarian for over a year. Um, now, in last Christmas, my sister and I tried out some delicious festive recipes, including a vegetarian mushroom wellington. So she has a link. Ooh. Oh, uh, mushroom Wellington. I want to make that. That yeah, sounds amazing. It looks, it looks, yeah, I just looked up the picture and it does. It's like one of those super impressive, like yes. kind of like stuffed pie. It looks, I think I wanted to make it once, but I'm, I'm not a baker. So I'm like, I am, I would be very intimidated by well, this Well, no, recipe. so you can do it, Lisa. It's So a Wellington is, um, if you're not familiar with it, it's you take something and put it in the middle. So traditionally it's a beef Wellington, but you can also use veggies. Like it sounds like one of our scouts has done. And yeah. then you basically wrap a, pu- uh, a puffed pastry around it 
And I'm also not a baker. My husband's the one that bakes. But one of the things that we've done before to pretty decent success is you can just get frozen puff pastry at the at the grocery oh, store. Yeah, that's the most and, difficult part, right? Right? Like that's mm-hmm. the most difficult part. And a lot of places like restaurants, they use, uh, you know, most of them will use this frozen stuff because it's usually pretty close to what you'd get if you made it from scratch really, really well. So I love that she has a mushroom Wellington. I'm going to have to try that. That sounds so good. I definitely heard of that before. And you made me kind of inspire me to actually give it a try because it looks super impressive. Yeah. And like mushrooms, I think I've talked about this before. For me, by far, mushroom, especially portobello is like the best kind of substitute for me. It's just so tasty. And mushrooms, I think like they're tasting everything. They just can't go bad like bad with it yeah i mean we oftentimes will buy mushrooms in bulk from from costco Mm -hmm. or from a place like that and so when i find that they start to kind of you know they're almost time to be to be used i'll just throw them in anything yeah exactly it's just like pasta soup you know anything it's just so good so good um okay what else do we have left to talk about obviously tons of vegetarian recipes uh um suggestions we we will link to both the holiday tips database and our meatless recipe database i think it's such a great resource i know as a meat eater especially like and i think my our husbands are probably even more intimidated by uh kind of uh, trying recipes that are meatless Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think once you have like approval of different recipes from people, you know, um, I think it's much, much less of an ask of like, okay, let's have a meatless meal today. Absolutely. And you know, when we think about the sides on Thanksgiving day, yeah, most of them are veggie based. Um, yeah, and good, good there's always the opportunity to kind of reinvent a side that people might've been familiar with now you do have to take a poll before you go because there's oftentimes people who are like looking forward to the one random side all year like Mm -hmm. that green bean casserole thing with the mushroom soup like I randomly really like that and it's just so weird and if if I don't get it then I'm sad so (laughs) so Mm -hmm. take a poll and honestly when I do that poll with people, if we host, and we're actually, um, we'll, we're probably going to, well, depending on the climate here with with COVID mm-hmm. and everything, we're planning on going to a friend's house, but we'll have to see kind of how that goes. But regardless, mm-hmm. we've had times where it's just been Eric and I, and I've made little tiny sides. And I mean, I'll tell you, it's the same amount of work <laughs> so to make all the sides, you know, regardless of size. Um, but anyway, make sure you plan ahead, figure out what you want to do. But I actually make a, instead of like the traditional quote unquote squash casserole, I make a Tex-Mex version because I'm from Texas originally and it's so good. So what if we like actually used Thanksgiving as a time to really make amazing veggie sides and vegan sides and get the people that in your family might not be used to eating that way, like get them excited about like the amount of flavor that can be packed into one of these sides, right? Like kind of like a gateway into it, right? It's pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. No, the minutes you have, you give them and like, it's something that our, again, our scouts, our community members, um, always talk about is like, kind of, how do you like trick almost sometimes you have to trick, right? You don't even tell them that it's a meatless meal. And then the minute they really love and enjoy it, you know, there is a less of a, again, um, a problem for them to like keep going with at least one or two meatless meals a week. So yeah, just try, let's, um, that's the main thing. That's the main challenge for us, right? How do we make, you know, vegetarian meatless uh, meals like really delicious and absolutely possible. Trust us. Me and Laura have, I feel like I've learned so many more meatless recipes this year. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Just being, just thinking about this and being involved in it. And that's why we're so thankful. Um, you know, people also use Thanksgiving as a time to give thanks and like, I'm really thankful for the growth that we've seen with this podcast and with Brightly. Um, like I'm thankful for my co-founder Lisa here who's helped with that. Like I just think in general, um, it's it's just been such a great time for us. And our goal again is to really help change the world through these small actions that you're doing every day, listeners. So we're just, I mean, I'm I'm so thankful for that, really. Yes, we are thankful, Laura. I'm thankful for you, and we are very thankful for our community. And that's kind of one of yes. the things that uh, I was really excited about, like thinking about Thanksgiving. It's just like one again, once again, as you said, going back to our roots, going back what's important, and you know, thank, uh, thanking each other for the support that we um, hopefully giving each other. Absolutely. So this is a great way to end the episode, but just we wanted to say thank you, listeners, for joining us, and we really hope that. Regardless of your situation this year, you are able to have Thanksgiving in a way that is meaningful in some way, right? Like we recognize it's probably not going to be like you're used to, um, but it's it's a time for us to kind of take a pause and be mindful. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast. And don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our Facebook group. Simply search Good Together Ethical Shopping and it'll come up. You can also leave us a question through voicemail. The link is on brightly.eco slash podcast. If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.